0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of First Team Podcast. On this week's episode, I am joined by New Amsterdam co-founder, Lawrence Gerard. Lawrence joins the show because uh, I have seen on social media throughout the past uh, week or two that uh, various grassroots media outlets, they were uh, writing claims uh, against uh, New Amsterdam, against uh, Lawrence. Uh, regarding what uh, is possibly going on behind the scenes. I thought it was only right, instead of uh, pushing that narrative, um, to get uh, Lawrence Gerrard on the phone get him on the show, and to record our interview. So here it is, about 15 minutes of me talking with uh, Lawrence Gerard um, about uh, what is going on behind the scenes with New Amsterdam FC. Uh, he explains it uh, from his point of view. As a supporter, you can have your say after you hear what Lawrence has to say. So you can email the show at firstteampod at gmail.com. That is firstteampod at gmail.com. Calm. so here is my interview with new amsterdam co-founder lawrence gerard so there have been reports of conflict uh, between yourself and club sporting director max mansfield uh, can you please confirm if max is still working with the club and uh, how is your relationship with him
1: thanks for the question mm-hmm. uh, so max and i are the co-founders of the club mm-hmm. and uh, we're currently having discussions about how we want to run the club going forward and You know, ultimately, Max and I are are close friends. Um, But uh, there's a fortune cookie I once read that said if if two men in a business always agree, then one of them's unnecessary. So we've certainly had our you know different points of views about um, how the club should be run over time. But you know, ultimately, we kind of come to the right conclusion together. So he's not currently working day to day as the sporting director of the club, but you know, we are the two largest shareholders, and we are having uh, discussions about division for the club going forward but you know we are uh very close friends that launched a professional soccer team during a global pandemic and so we've gotten through a lot together and you know i'm very appreciative of everything he's done he's appreciative of everything i've done so we we, we do talk every day um but uh you know entrepreneurship can be a bumpy road so it's it's been it's been an interesting journey but we are very close friends
0: Yeah, and um, talking about stakeholders, uh, I saw on social media uh, that uh, New Amsterdam uh, will provide ownership stake uh, to their players. So I guess, uh, can you share more on that? Uh, Because there has been some, uh, I guess, some fans not liking that idea. So can you just share more about that?
1: Of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, in in most businesses um, across the world, it's very common for employees to own a percentage of the companies that they work for. I mean, the most common uh, example that I think of is, you know, venture capital-backed um, tech startups. I mean, after all, a company is built on the the labor of, of its employees. And, um, you know, in a professional sports team, I mean, the players are one of the most important employees um, in the club, as are the rest of our staff, who we're also considering issuing equity to as well. But, you know, without the players, you really have nothing. And so we think it's... Um, really completely fair for players to own a percentage of the club that, you know, they're helping to build without the players, we would have nothing. And, um, it's been done, you know, in many other situations in sports, it's certainly not common, but, um, there's a lot of discussion about this happening in professional sports more broadly. Um, you know, one of the points is that, um, you know, income tax is particularly high compared to, um, you know, capital gains tax, and so some people have said, if you look at like the NBA, for example, that uh, why shouldn't NBA players get to own you know a percentage of their club? Um, you know, this is not the NBA, but still, we still feel that without the players, we would have nothing, and so of course, they should own you know a percentage of the equity in the club. Um, you know, is that equity worth a lot right now? Well, well we don't really know. Um, it, it's really about what it could be worth in the future maybe in 10 years NISA becomes a much more substantial league and this equity could become, you know, very valuable where it's worth, you know, five figures, six figures for the players. It could also end up being worth nothing, right, because this is a startup and the the league is a new league, um, you know, as well. But but again, um, we don't see any issue with, um, you know, players owning shares in the club because without the players we would have nothing really.
0: Is it true that uh, you got rid of Jermaine Jones uh, as your head coach uh, because he wouldn't allow you to play in goal?
1: No, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine is a great guy, mm-hmm. uh, and I really have nothing against him. Obviously, he has you know tremendous experience playing soccer at you know the highest levels of the game. But you know, ultimately, I felt more comfortable with uh, you know Buna Kandul being the head coach because he's someone I've known since. 2010, um, I think it's easier to hire someone that you have a longstanding relationship with. And I've known Buna since I was in high school. He was at my wedding. Um, Buna's also played at a very high level in Major League Soccer, you know, at the Red Bulls and whatnot. And so I think often in business, it's easier to make a decision to work with someone for the long term that you have a close relationship with because you kind of, you know, you know what you're getting. And um you know, I'm sure that Jermaine would have done an amazing job given his his background and experience. But ultimately, um, I just felt more comfortable going with something that I someone that I've known for over a decade. Um, And so, you know, that's kind of what led to that that decision.
0: And according to reports, uh, you claim that there will be many changes uh, with New Amsterdam. So can you please explain what those changes might be?
1: Uh, nothing too dramatic. I mean, just mm-hmm. like any startup trying to you know, improve, uh, you know, the business over time. So one mm-hmm. of them that we recently announced is issuing equity to all of our players. Um, you know, we've also been wanting to expand the youth academy, which is something that we haven't had the full opportunity to do because of the pandemic. Um, and then also getting more players' jobs off the pitch. Um, you know, New Amsterdam is a unique club where it was really started by players who play and love the game, but who also had the business skills to launch the club. And so currently we have seven first team players that aren't just playing you know, soccer at Pier 40 from 7 to 9 AM, but they're also helping with things like you know, ticket sales or sponsorships or fundraising, um, where they're developing business skills off the pitch. And so we're about to release our own podcast for New Amsterdam, where we talk about this. And one of our goals for next season is to give 100% of first team players the opportunity to have other uh, income opportunities off the pitch whether again that's in ticket sales or fundraising or social media um, and so forth because you know at this level of professional soccer no one's getting paid millions of dollars and so often players do need a second job and um, by having some sort of other role in the club they can you know develop valuable you know, life skills and, and business skills and, and earn, you know, additional income as well. And so that's something that, um, you know, by next season, we'd like to give every first team player the opportunity to do. Um, you know, it's hard to say if we're going to be able to fully accomplish that, but we'd like to give um, as many first team players the opportunity as possible to to have additional sources of income beyond playing if they choose to. It's not a requirement, but, you know, many of them enjoy um, the ability to to do other things aside from playing. Um, and then the last point is that, you know, I think that um, New Amsterdam is trying to become more of this organization where, you know, the players perhaps have more input than you would see in, you know, MLS, for example, and almost running it as a bit more of a player collective where, you know, we have a traditional coaching staff, but, you know, it's really a, um, you know, collaborative organization where, um, you know, the players have maybe more input than they would. Um, in, in a larger club. And so, you know, these are just all kind of uh, ideas that, that we're pursuing as the organization evolves. I mean, we kind of launched the club in a, in a rush during the pandemic. Um, but now we're, we're kind of taking a step back and saying, you know, how do we want to you know, build the club going forward? And so, uh, you know, nothing, nothing too drastic, but those are just some of the things being discussed.
0: I know a lot of uh, supporters in New York City, they have this uh, question in mind. Uh, So New Amsterdam currently has two social media accounts, uh, one from the original founding of the club and one that was created a couple of months ago. I understand that backstory, but do you think that is causing uh, confusion in the marketplace uh, for current fans and potential new supporters?
1: I'm sure that it is causing some level of confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, The official account is um, at NAFC NYC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, uh, basically a former employee has refused to give us access to the original account, which belongs to the club. And rather than getting into a legal dispute with this person, who we actually really value as a human being, um, we thought it would be more productive to just launch a new account and then hope to eventually resolve uh, things with this individual in the future because we do appreciate all the work that they did for the club on that account but, but obviously the club does need ownership of our social media accounts because we have investors you know, and so forth but um, I think that you'll be seeing that situation resolve and then your future and uh, merge into one account again so um, you know it's just one of those situations
0: yeah and I'm led to believe that uh, that one individual that uh, employee that you're saying there. I believe he's a uh, minority stakeholder. Is that true or no?
1: I can't speak to that at this mm-hmm. moment, just out of respect for this person. Okay. Um, I'm not going to reveal who that person is. Okay. But again, mm-hmm. it, it's someone that's very valued. And, um, you know, again, this has all been very difficult launching a, a professional mm-hmm. soccer team during the pandemic. And so entrepreneurship can be a bumpy road. And, uh, You know, just because there's a dispute here and there doesn't mean that you hate anybody or it doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. nobody can Mm -hmm. be involved again, you know, in the future. But, uh, you know, we we do value this individual. It's just, uh, you know, we're in the process of kind of moving forward as one happy family, if you will.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And um, on the topic of you playing in goal, I know fans And other stakeholders use that against you. Uh, But can you share your perspective on that? Uh, Because since NISA is an independent uh, association with no strict rules on this topic, uh, there seems to be more freedom for each club to operate as they see fit. So what would your message be to those supporters and stakeholders uh, throughout the league uh, regarding Lawrence Gerrard playing in goal?
1: Thanks for the question. I'm very happy to yeah. answer it, mm-hmm. and I'll just tell you a little bit about, you know, my playing background. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I when I was younger in middle school, I uh, you know watched the World Cup and decided I wanted to you know, pursue soccer. Um, and so right around that time was when they launched the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. And so I had, you know, played for um, Metropolitan Oval under Giovanni Savarisi, who, um, you know, now I believe is still the head coach at the Portland Timbers. And then I played um, at the New York Red Bulls under 18 Academy team uh, where players like, you know, Sean Davis were there, who I think is still the captain of the Red Bulls, um, you know, and Juan Aguadillo. And so, you know, I played at a high level when I was younger. Um, and then, uh, it took some time off from soccer and, and went down more of this uh, you know, healthcare technology route. But in the last six years or so, I just redeveloped my you know, passion and love for the game. And I've been playing in the you know, Cosmopolitan uh, Soccer League with, with Max. And our, our original team was you know, sporting uh, Astoria, which we uh, ended up getting promoted from Division 2 to Division 1, um, where you know, we played in every game. We also won a state cup. I think we went about 23 games undefeated where we were sponsoring that team, playing for the team, recruiting players for the team. Um, And, and, you know, we played at a high level. Um, And then I saw what Max was doing with the foosball project where he helped overlook players, get opportunities to play at higher levels in the U.S. and Europe and, you know, started training with them, um, you know, as well. And so I've really been putting quite a bit of effort into, you know, soccer over the years. Uh, Max and I also pursued something in in England, where we had, you know, brought our healthcare business over there and uh, got involved in a grassroots football club, you know, in England that played in, you know, FA Cup qualifying matches and so forth. And and so I've I've been playing, you know, and putting the effort in, just like any other player. Um, if you look at what you know Nisa has been doing, they're trying to build this pyramid where you have promotion and relegation, and you have. Uh, you know, teams that might be in Division in Two the, in, in the Cosmopolitan Soccer League, for example, getting promoted to, I, I guess what now would be EPSL, then getting promoted to Nisa Nation, and then ultimately, um, you know, Nisa Pro. And so I think that if you look at a lot of the players on New Amsterdam, they came from Cosmopolitan soccer teams like Cyprians um, and, and, and other teams and so forth, um, which is exactly where, you know, I came from um you know as well. And you know, I'll admit that I'm obviously not, you know, uh an MLS, you know, caliber goalkeeper, but you know, this is third division soccer where um it's it's just a kind of uh it's a you know it's a group of players that are doing their best and I'm doing my best you know as well. Um and really, you know, Max and I started the club as players who you know also had an interest in in playing, you know, as well. And that's certainly unique. But um, you know, it has been done before, as you may have read read in our um, recent press release, and and again, we play for the same reason that anybody else, you know, loves uh, and anybody else does, which is that you know we love the game and we wanted to, uh, you know, continue playing with our passion for soccer, but. You know, also to um, you know, bring a professional soccer team with ultimately a youth system to our local community that could both entertain fans at the professional level, um, but also to you know have a social impact with with a youth program, and so. Um, you know, again, we're, we're soccer players just like anybody else who decided to start a club. And, and I guess another point is that if you look at other clubs within NISA, like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Maryland Bobcats. Well, I, I know for sure Maryland Bobcats were playing in UPSL, and they turned that amateur team into a professional team with many of the same players. Um, you know, Chattanooga FC, Detroit City FC, you know, these were amateur teams as well as well that were turned into pro teams. And, of course, you know, their team changed a bit where they had um, – additional you know professional professional players join um but but similar to those teams we were you know a group of amateur players that uh wanted to, to make the jump from amateur to pro which is what things like epsl and eastern nation are about helping teams and players make the jump from amateur to pro and so um you know again, we love the game, that's why we play and, and we had this group of amateur players we wanted to turn it into a professional team, continue our love of playing and, and really, you know, offer something to the community. And also help the league grow by by adding another team. As as you may know, um, you know, I haven't only helped launch New Amsterdam, but um also, you know, my wife is functioning as the primary team owner of Chicago as well. And so without these two teams, I'm I, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, where the league would be and, and, and all of this has happened just because of our love for the game of soccer so uh
0: yeah and lastly here lawrence uh what is your message uh, to supporters of new york city soccer
1: i'd say say come to a game and uh, Mm -hmm. give them my name and i'll I'll give you a free ticket and uh (laughs) You know, really, again, New Amsterdam Football Club was just, you know, started by this group of, you know, p- entrepreneurial players who have a love and passion for the game, just like, you know, soccer fans around the world, um, and we just wanted to continue our passion for playing, but also um, bring a professional club and ultimately a youth system which we're trying to build, you know, to our local community for, um, you know, everyone to enjoy, and so, you know, we play the game for the same reason that everyone else does, because we love it. And so we hope to see you at a New Amsterdam uh, game sometime soon.
0: (laughs) Thanks to Lawrence for joining me on this week's episode of First Team Podcast. I really do appreciate it. Um, And you can have your say, right? Uh, What do you think about what Lawrence had to say? What are your thoughts on the future of New Amsterdam FC? What are your thoughts on Lawrence uh, and uh, his shareholders offering an equity stake in the club uh, to their current and future players. So you can have your say if you email the show, uh, firstteampod at gmail.com. You can also share your opinion on social media, Twitter, Facebook at First Team Pod. So I will be back next week with another interview, another conversation on what's going on in lower division soccer in New York City. And as always, let's go New York City soccer.